Cut the Crest presents The Screening Room Welcome back to the screening room. Uh, so what's f- going to follow over the next four episodes is something that I recorded again back in the past. So this is past me, pre-Xavian um, tattoo, actually. I was looking at some of the footage and thought, oh, look, my latest piece of ink, which I got, a, I don't know, I think about a year ago, isn't there. That's cool. Okay, anyway, um, this series, I somewhat foolishly named it Fancast. Uh, and I say foolishly because... Fancast means something very different to the way that I'm using it in in uh, for these episodes, basically. Fancast, if you're unaware, if you don't know, fancast means that uh, a bunch of fans, usually online, become vocal about an actor or actress that they're really fond of for a particular role, uh, and somehow uh, the production company, casting agents, whomever, they hear or see it and uh, make it happen. Uh, for example, I think Ahsoka Tano, who is a character from Star Wars The Clone Wars cartoon and now live action, uh, was fancast by fans. Uh, it was Rosaria Dawson. She was fancast. Uh, yeah, so that's what that means, but that is definitely not how I'm using that word or that term. Basically, this is going to be a series of conversations that I've had uh, with some friends of mine who are fans of something, and we talk about their fandom. Um and they're not all, I mean, they're, 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 the links to uh, the film world, TV world, whatever, isn't that tenuous. I mean, one of one of uh, the guys that I interviewed, she's actually a, she's been an actress in the past. She's done a bit of extra work. Yeah, she was an AD for a time as well. So, um, yeah, it's not all just like me chatting to random people. A, they're all people I know. Uh, they're, I can know them well enough to be able to call them friends. Um and yeah, and we talk about whatever it is that they are into, basically, um, and their fandoms. Uh, a lot of it is Star Wars based, um, and that is fine. So yeah, uh, let's go back in time again to past me. I think circa twenty twenty one, maybe or yeah, maybe around this time in twenty one is Liam Ball. Liam is a Star Wars fan, a massive Star Wars fan. I first met Liam uh, back in twenty. 14 uh in Folkestone yeah so that was basically Artie's first ever uh convention and um he Liam was helping out there he was a he was a volunteer then he came over and he and we had a little chat and stuff and we've kept in touch ever since actually so we meet up every so often we go to conventions and stuff and or if I'm at a convention he'll come pop over and say hey and stuff but uh he's a Star Wars fan he's got an amazing Star Wars collection and uh, yeah, we get into basically, yeah, his fandom. Uh, let's hear it. Let's hear from past me and past Liam. Okay, so today I am joined by the very lovely uh, Liam Ball. Liam, welcome. Hello there. Good evening. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, you too. Um, we've known each other for a few years now. Yeah, maybe about five yeah. years. Uh, we met on the convention circuit. Um, That's correct. Yeah, I think you were working the show. Uh, you you were assisting 
in the show, right? You 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 were helping yeah. out or something. Yeah, a few years into it, um, I assisted a local show where I live down in uh, the deepest, darkest southeast of England, Folkestone in Kent. Um, always had aspirations of running my own convention, never got around to it, thought about it, wrote loads of notes, um, and then just got to hear about some people locally who put on um, initially zombie walks for charity. So they get a group of people, they walk through the town rattling buckets. Um, thought that was good because they were raising money for local charities. Fantastic. Um, and then they thought about, well, let's do a, a convention. There's nothing really down this this end of the country, out of London. Um, surprise, surprise, we're quite a way away still from London, even though we've got high-speed links. But, um, yeah, got involved with them. About two or three people who knew the organisers separately got in contact with me and said, oh, such and such is doing something a sci-fi show do you know this person and i've got another contact say oh such and such is doing a sci-fi show do you know this person and so that happened about three times and in the end they all converged into one um and i contacted the organizers and said look i'm quite a big fan i've been to conventions um around the southeast and etc etc I, I do have certain links to some of the um participants in the films um could i offer my help and support and um that's really how i got started so yeah general dog's body um emailing a few of the stars as it were from the original films and saying oh would you be interested would you be interested um and then the day before and on the day helping with set up and being i suppose you say a runner i don't know um helping and assisting the organizers with anything and whatever they needed yeah. um going and fetching water putting up tables ushering people in sorting out the crowds um and yeah and that was we we did it for i think it was 5 years um the the, the Folkestone comic con ran very successfully had some amazing people attend and about midway through i believe i met yourself and your and your good lady wife yeah yeah um yeah it was 2000 and I think it was 2014 yeah so yeah well, that's how we that's how we met um and we've kept in touch ever since and we've you and i have attended a couple of shows i think as as fans you know we've we've gone to mm. some conventions and stuff um you know we chat online and one of the things about you that i've always well there's there's a few things actually um that i find really fascinating a is your collection so we both have a mutual love uh, of star wars mm -hmm. and your collection is just magnificent uh if i do say so um very kind of you thank you no, um and it's not just yeah and it's not just like um we're not just talking about the action figures and stuff because you also have a fantastic autograph collection um and it all and we're gonna we'll delve into this uh in a bit more detail mm -hmm. in a bit but um yep. let's start off uh with where your love for uh this genre and particularly star wars all right let's focus on star wars actually where where did it Okay. Where did it all start for you, my friend? Well, I say I'm lucky or unlucky enough to be born in the 70s. Um, I was born in 72, and so when Star Wars came out, I was just about five years old. Um, 
I believe it's the second film I was ever taken to see at a cinema, and I'll go into that one. First one being Jungle Book, I believe, or reissue of the Jungle Book. Oh, wow, nice. Um, but, um, yeah, it's not, a, a, as it were, a true memory that I can definitely remember. It's more from um, stories that have been told to me from family members after effects, et cetera, um, being that I'm getting on a bit and my memory's going. Um, but from, from my recollection and the story goes that my, my cousin, my, well, my mum's cousin anyway, um, said, oh, she's heard of this new sci-fi film coming out. She's heard it's for kids, might be very good. And my mum said to me, well, if you eat your Christmas dinner, they'll take you to watch the Star Wars film. And it was like, obviously, I must have eaten my Christmas dinner that year because <laughs> we, know, we know that um, the UK didn't get a film in the May. We got it just later on. We got it towards the, the Boxing Day, I believe, the December, late December yeah. in 77. Um, and I believe that my cousin then took me to see the film and... As a five-year-old sitting in the cinema, my, my mind was blown. It, it was a wow factor. I, I probably didn't appreciate everything that was going on at that age, um, but that's where it all started. And the Christmas after, birthdays after, when I was lucky enough to get a toy or a present, that's what I would ask for. My, my family, lucky enough, maybe my mum would get me a figure, my nan was brilliant. My nan would buy me the biggest thing ever. Like, I don't know, mm. when it come around to it, the Millennium Falcon, my nan probably got me. Um, then probably years later, it was an ATAT. Um, and yeah, so Christmas, birthdays, it, it went through from there. Um, so going on to Empire, um, I was living in London at this time, um, lived in London until I was about eight years old. So okay. would would go to the cinema i'm not entirely sure where i saw empire i can't remember um southeast london somewhere it was a cinema locally probably taken by family mm. then we moved down to as a family moved to folkestone um when i was eight yeah. and then i remember queuing up at a local cinema to see return of the jedi in uh, in 83 isn't it or 81 mm. 83. 83. 83 so um yeah it sort of stemmed from there and then christmas birthday christmas birthday mm. was lucky enough to to be bought a, maybe a figure or a toy and as you do when you're a five six seven eight nine ten eleven year old rip it out of the packet mm. throw it around clothe it in the garden give it to the dog um <laughs> throw it up in the loft everything like that and that's what yeah as a kid that's what i did so mm. it, it stemmed from there and it really that's hasn't so. stopped yeah yeah okay so you consistently um collected even through uh what through the sort of late 80s when there wasn't an awful lot of um star wars stuff were you still you're still collecting you're still obsessed with the books like we had i know we had the ewoks cartoon we had the mm. droids cartoon were you still completely engrossed i remember seeing those cartoons and then feeling a little bit old for it in secondary school yeah the after sort of 85 to 95 ish as well the, the, the dark times as you were yeah it went quiet but yeah. i remember early to mid 90s when um things started to develop again and there was the 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 reissue as it were the star wars the the uh, power of the force figures and stuff but yeah. where, I, where i lived um 
there was there was a, a, a lady who was a, a, a dealer in in toys she done gi joe she had um x-men things i think but oh. one of her main main selling was, was star wars and she would advertise in the old um, model and collectors marts Okay. Um, they were they were a, a publication where for model trains and soldiers and sci-fi, Star Trek, Doctor Who, Star Wars. Obviously, there was a section in those magazines um, and those publications, and she had a little advert in there. And it turns out it was twelve, thirteen miles up the road from me. So when I when I started working and actually getting some money in after sort of college, yeah. I'd make sort of monthly by not bi monthly, but every couple of months, mm. save up some money, go over there with uh, cash in hand readies mm-hmm. and say, Oh, have you got this? Have you got that? And yeah, I'd I'd go through maybe the ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, I would say, mm. probably spending around about a hundred pound every month. Whoa. on something to do with star wars yeah wow um from books the books the figures and lucky enough i went through sort of that part of the 90s actually revisiting and trying to get carded figures mm. i'd had i've got a set of loose i would say mint ish yeah. um loose figures um but none of them i kept on their cards so yeah. what i tried to do throughout that in the late 90s and into early 2000s was um revisit and go back and get the cards but i think i made a mistake i started with jedi and tried to work my way to star back. wars ah, no, but, as we know prices of star wars have just gone through the roof mm. i should have started the other way and gone yeah. so i've got a i've got a full set of kenner i went for kenner i don't know why i didn't go for palatoy but mm. i've got a um i would say a full set of relatively good set of um jedi figures jedi appearance figures on jedi cards i've got nearly all of the empire um characters as it were on empire cards missing missing a luke bespin sadly um i've got a number of the 21 back star wars cards as well so the creature cantinas creature cantina minus a snaggle tooth um and then I've got just one, sadly, 12-back, which is, I believe, a large-head hand Solo, I think it is. Okay. Um, and, but, yeah, so I've got, I've got a range of stuff that I've just continued, continued to collect since I was five years old. So 40-plus yeah. years of collecting, collecting this, that, and the other. Wow, nice. Um, I was going to say, like, when you when you started talking about um deciding to collect uh the figures or or when you were collecting the figures in the mid 90s again i was like yeah you you i'm pretty sure you weren't ripping those off the uh you weren't ripping those bubbles off the cards but um <laughs> i did to one i did a couple but oh. i shouldn't have done that they were yeah um some of the the power of the force or the um mm. tri logo power of the force ones i remember a, a lando a general lando I think it was um, Tri Logo. I ripped off the car and said, "Yeah, I'll get one of those later. I'll get one of those another time." And you know, I won the loose fit. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Terrible. Never mind. Never mind. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's judging you. <laughs> I, t- I tell you, it's Sorry, funny. Well. You mentioned the um, the vintage stuff. I remember. I think mm. it must have been about ninety seven. Yeah, it was quite late. Uh, 
in my life. So I would have been uh, late teens, I think I was. Uh, so no, not that late, but um, mm. yeah, in the, in the, it was. I think it was mid nineties or late nineties. Um, there was a bargain bin in this Indian uh, grocery store. It's a massive grocery store, um, uh, and they had this bargain bin, and it was just chock full of. Um, I obviously like you. You mentioned about memory before. I can't remember what condition they were in. I mean, they would have been pretty decent. It looked like you know this. The owner had probably bought these back in nineteen eighty, whatever. Thinking, mm. oh, I'll I'll sell these as well, and then mm. fifteen years later or whatever, realize, oh, hang on a second, oh, I, I've still got this rubbish sitting in the back. I'm going to put it out, and they were, I yeah. think they were return the jet. They were well, they were cartoons. I think I think they were return the Jedi. For those who might be thinking, what the hell are these people are on about? Um, well, why you listen to this for a start? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the yeah, I think it was uh, or they were Niktos. I don't know. It was one of the one of those um skiff guys you know and uh right. yeah and there were loads of them in this bin and they were literally i think he was selling them for about 20 pence each right so even by that in yeah. that day standard that was nothing but i wasn't yeah. into collecting which is why i think i wanted to which is why i asked you you know did you did you continue um because i dropped out i i i was there as a kid i was born a little later um 77 um the, you know the greatest year ever of course um because of star wars um so when the film hit britain i i wasn't even one at that stage mm. and uh, verging on so for me as a kid it was literally like you saying you you buy the toys uh you rip them off the card you maybe cut out the coupons if they had any coupons or, or i used yeah, to uh, sometimes cut the 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 images off the card back and stick them in notebooks or I don't know you know stupid yeah, kid stuff done like that, that right yeah yeah scrapbooks um, absolutely yeah, exactly and then and you play with them maybe color them in or I don't know whatever mm. um, and then I stepped away from it I guess because I was it was just constantly moving so then I you know I left Star Wars and I would go on to whatever you know like He Man and then I don't know Dino Riders Thundercats this that GI Joe you know I had my phases you know Transformers was probably the only one that was trans yeah Transformers was probably the most consistent out of them and then I became a teenager and left it all and I didn't come back mm. to it until a lot later and like you like sat there kicking myself thinking oh man I had this opportunity or I, I used to have this thing why like I had one of my fondest memories um, of a Star Wars toy was an Atat that I'd got for Christmas. But because um, I'm a smaller chap and always was smaller uh, of the small disposition, I, I used to ride this thing. If you remember, you know, you could switch it on and it would walk oh. and whatever. And I'd try and get this thing to carry me around the room. Obviously, it couldn't. And uh, I broke the bugger. Oh, His leg no. fell off. And I'm sat there in my we'll yeah exactly my late teens early 20s thinking why the hell did i do this in fact that's just reminded me um an ex oof, mm. yeah i won't go too much into that but i remember getting gifted a a it was it was like a giant you know um bog roll basically you know, a cardboard tube mm. of sweets what sweet no i think it was jaffa cakes all right like okay one of these meter long Jaffa cake things. Now maybe you can fill in this blank for me. Actually, um, right. I think it was Jaffa cakes. It might not have been, and it was Jedi Luke's lightsaber. 
in a lightsaber shape yeah so yeah, i believe i believe you're right i have i think i've still got the cardboard somewhere in my storage locker okay. um i i do have yeah we, we talked about a collection i've got a few yeah. bits sadly i can't keep it all in the in one room of the house mm. so i'm not allowed it around the house and <laughs> in any other room at all can't you so sadly yes it's spilled over to um having to have a storage locker so um yeah. to to quickly answer your question, I believe yeah, it was a like a meter long amount of Jaffa cakes, and the card or outer was in the shape of the lightsaber. Um, I believe I may still have one of those uh, empty. I have eaten the Jaffa cakes um, <laughs> in the storage locker somewhere. Yes, yeah, you're right. Okay, so they were Jaffa cakes. See, I love Jaffa cakes. Do you know what? So basically, mm. my point is is that um, the regret. Okay, so I think when that. Yep thing came out i um, maybe was 20 21 22 i'm not sure um mm. i used it to fight people and bashed everybody up <laughs> I, I family members not on the street obviously i wasn't a crazy person but like we After would have eaten a jaffa cake so yeah of yeah, course. yeah yeah of course yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah but oh yeah we would do mock lightsaber duels but I, mm. I only had one of those so we'd have that and then the other weapon would be like a broom handle or something. So obviously the cardboard thing didn't yeah. stand a chance and I wish I didn't do that. Oh. No, well, again, going back to ripping stuff off, I've seen a few posts recently about um, in, in the UK, there was a bootleg lightsaber called the Force Beam lightsaber. Red handle, um, black sort of hilt, as it were, with, with a tube with a green or a red bulb in um color batteries in the handle yeah. and it didn't make any sound you just flick the switch and the light come on and i believe back in the day i think i had three of these okay um i could have had i definitely had two i don't know if i had three but um yeah i used my my, my little brother and my little sister i've got two sisters and a brother um all younger than me i would um let's say beat them no uh, we would have <laughs> lightsaber fights we'd have them in the garden they'd get Bent, they get they were broken as it were the but the um the beams as it were were relatively thin plastic and it had like a little round topper on the top that would pop off a load oh, of the wow. times and yeah like you say with the lightsaber it was a lightsaber you see the film these these um jedis and sith would would fight each other with them so yeah. having a red blade having a green blade my brother my little brother and i would be in the garden, be in the bedroom, be in the living room, bashing each other until it was dinner time, as it were. So, yeah, um, and I think sadly, probably 10, 15 odd years ago, mm. trying to look for them back in my parents' house, I think my dad threw them out. So oh, gosh. The, the original sabres that I could have had, did have, are no longer in a, well, they're in a landfill somewhere, sadly. Oh, but God. that's what we did. That's what we did back in the day. Yeah, I remember... Yeah with some of the toys and some of the things is you'd play with them in the garden, you'd bury them and never find them again. The dog maybe would dig them up or um, you'd, you'd build a sarlacc pit in the garden and then it'd be filled in with your dad saying, oh, he'd stop digging holes in the garden. Did you pick, did you pull out the figures, dad? What, what figures? Little dad or whatever. You're just doing the gardening. So you'd be like, oh, right, okay. It would rain, it would get dark, you'd forget about it, move on to the next thing. So yeah. in certain gardens and maybe some fields around by my house, there's probably a, 
little treasure. I'd say not a few hundred pounds, but yeah, there's a few figures somewhere. <laughs> right, I'm gonna. I'll see you later. Uh, just text me the address for this. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, these things are toys. They were meant to be played with, and, and we played with them. And it's only now yep. as adults that we can. It's like we not relive that stuff, but we can kind of cherish and and enjoy those things again, but in a slightly different uh, context. So those sabers that you're talking about, these these bootleg things, these um, mm, fake sabers, force also, beams, yeah, force yeah. beams. That's it. So they're worth a lot of money now, are they? Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. They're they're, they're probably in the maybe hundreds, I believe. Oh. Um, there's a few going around on, on certain um, auction sites and yeah. some of the social media pages that um, I follow and things. Yeah, certain people have reacquired them or got them from a collector selling them. And um, from my recollection, I always thought they were they were true, they were real, they were originals, yeah. um, as it were, from, from the, the, the Lucasfilm, as it were, company. But it wasn't until 2023. 25 years later and probably within the last 10 15 years found out they were they weren't actually licensed products right um they were mass produced for the uk market and yeah that's that's what i can remember about them so bizarre interesting i don't i have i have no memory of those things i've got to look that up afterwards um mm. okay so let's talk about i mean your your collection is immense um <laughs> So I think to go through every single piece, I mean, you've mentioned about the vintage figures and stuff. What, what, if you could single something out in your collection to just, just one thing uh, that you would say is your absolute, you know, like your holy grail, um, most favorite piece, uh, what would you, what, 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 what oh, would you do? So tough. I think anyone you ask who's a collector is always, always like different things. Um, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I was a completist. But I do like, I mean, I do like the music. I do like, we've, we've spoken in the past actually before this about the music elements and how it impacts the film. So I love listening to the music. Um, there's the book side of things. There's obviously the films. Um, but where we're collecting has just exploded. And I mean, it was quite big anyway, but over the past well, since the prequels, I suppose, 99 onwards, the the amount of merchandise, the amount of products from socks, I'll say from, I don't know, A to Z, socks, soap, T-shirts, figures, um, pictures, paintings, posters, whatever. It's just so expansive. I don't think you can ever have enough money or enough space to buy it all. No. So I I sort of made a decision probably not not say ten years ago but around about ten years ago to to just sort of try and close it in a little bit try and do a focus and yeah. it was around the time I was hearing this this you've got to focus on things people are doing a a Darth Vader focus or mm. there is a focus on any any sort of figure there's there's focuses on any figure so. I thought to myself, well, what character has been in the film all the way through? What character, not to say do I identify with, it's a bit old when you hear what I say, but um, what, what, what makes a difference? And knowing the backstory of what Lucas initially 
um, had the Star Wars as there's a story told by the two droids, mm. um, and they are actually the, sort of the narrators of the Star Wars. Mm. Um, I didn't quite identify with C3PO, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Sorry, all you Goldenrod fans out there. Um, but I, I just sort of gravitated towards R2, utilitarian, mm. um, no bells or whistles, no showing off, as it were. I mean, a few beeps and yeah. and leaps here and there um but was just didn't say in the background but got the job done Mm. and so my focus really went down the the r2d2 route and i focus on what i could see what i could find maybe figures i've got again soaps slippers um cars mugs everything like that but one thing getting to your getting to the answer is one thing that i saw in magazines and i liked and I wanted for ages, but it was just always out of my reach, out of my price range, mm. was the, um, I believe it's Roman Ceramics R2-D2 cookie jar. Okay. Um, it, was just, it just looks beautiful. It's about probably 10 to 12 inches high, yep. beautifully painted um, with a lift-off top and a plastic inside liner. But it was just something that I just always seen in magazines early days of collecting and i was like i, I like that that's really nice it's just a, a beautiful ornament maybe as well mm. um static legs didn't move top really didn't spin unless you you sort of wrenched it around as it were and and for many years that was sort of the go-to i'd like to get it i'd like to get it. i'd like to get it um and then finally managed to save enough money to actually to get one um and so i got it with with quite well the paint hadn't faded too much on it um and it's just just a really nice nice piece that yeah there's, there's many 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 <laughs> bits in the collection that i like but that's probably off the top of my head the one that sort of stands out in my memory as a yeah. as a gold piece that or not a grail but yeah, yeah, a gold yeah. piece that i i'd wanted for a time and i had to make sure i saved for it to put enough money aside so i could then purchase it and that's the, that's the sort of thing that sticks in my mind so that okay so that jar that cookie jar then we're talking a vintage thing aren't we i believe so again from 77 78 around about maybe 79 i don't exactly wow. but okay and so if you had to save up for it do you mind me asking what the approximate value was or is of this thing like you know, um, it sounds like it was a big deal. Like you had to really work to get this thing. Was it because it's well, hard it, to find as well? Yeah, they're, they're hard to find. They're a lot harder to find in a in a relatively good condition. Some have got chips, and some have got the inner liners missing, or the color, the paints faded. Um, and it, it it depends on your budget. Now, I don't yeah. earn I don't earn a lot. Um, um, I work for a, a private sector company, but we, like anyone, we don't get paid enough. I am working. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it probably, again, just nowadays, even um, probably in the region of maybe a couple of hundred pounds, 200 pounds. It's, uh, maybe still, it was back then, but a it's lot. a substantial amount yeah, every yeah. month. If you've got bills yeah. to pay and all of those sort of things, yeah, yeah. putting put 200 pound aside for one item, that's not going to hold cookies yeah. is not functional really it doesn't it doesn't do anything it's going to sit on a shelf yeah. it's quite hard to justify so yeah. i don't know the price of it nowadays someone might come back on on and and tell me i'm wrong it might be a 
couple of hundred, uh, sorry, hundred pounds. But I know I probably paid in the region of a couple of hundred wow, for this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But that's a really. I love the fact that it's. Um, you know, the A that you've got this focus on R2 because he is, you know, the, the, he is essentially um, the character, at least until Rise of Skywalker, um, it gets a little tenuous in the sequels. But uh, without R2, um, the good guys don't win, essentially. And it's <clears> usually through some, I don't want to say arbitrary, but it's, a, it's usually a small little thing that he somehow manages to you know uh save the day um yeah i think the role was taken slightly away by the um the, the bba in the sequels a little bit yeah, um yeah but that's just just to say personal opinion a lot of other people do like do like bba but mm. yeah knowing that he's on hand yeah i don't think he's an an ex machina sort of invention that no. would, oh we, we've got a problem to solve we've got a puzzle piece and he's feeling oh look there's r2d2 can do it yeah, yeah um yeah. but no it's just it's just a factor i think it looks quite cool yeah. all of the different aspects of it the different um tools and arms and attachments yeah. that it can all have just yeah. makes it quite an interesting thing and the design process, the elements, knowing that it was not only um, sort of a puppet, as it were, by puppeteered by Kenny Baker, mm. but also then um, being a mechanical element as well. And the problems mm. they had on set, the, all the different machinations of it as well. And, mm. and the slight variance of it, I'm starting to understand, again, in the, in the actual screen um used as it were r2s there's 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 different versions just in the first 30 minutes of of a new hope yeah um and a version I, i've actually lucky enough managed to acquire a static life-size um r2d2 um which is a sort of fiberglass and resin uh, put together uh, but there's certain differences and nuances on some of the, the greeblies, if I can use that term, yeah, some yeah. of the well, greeblies on on the legs. So I'm on. I'm looking at the film, going, "Oh, it's not the same as the one I've got. Oh, I must have a different version." And then the version that I've got turns up a bit later in the film. So I'm like, "Oh, yeah. so it, is, it could be a new hope." But yeah, it, it, you can get into it a little bit too much. But. Yeah. In case anybody's wondering what greeblies are, uh, or however you pronounce that word, it's just the it's what the what. Um, uh, looks, uh, sorry, ILM were calling all the little doohickeys. Basically, it's, it's like a synonym of a doohickey. Like when they were building yeah. the Death Star and all the little bits, and you know, the, oh, we'll put this thing here because it makes it look a bit complicated and like it has a function. Maybe it, you know, it's housing a battery or I don't know something. Yeah, let's little make little... it look interesting, but it yeah. might not have a function. It just it no. just looks there, and we'll add it here. So yeah. there's certain elements there, but yeah, R two. Oh, so just there's just something about it you can see it and i think mm. tactile and maybe because it's it is quite different it's a robot not c3po is more the humanoid yeah. um yeah I, I i just gravitated towards it but mm. that hasn't stopped me <laughs> opening my field up again and mm. um buying anything from computer games um comics i'm just trying to think of what i've got really yeah it just it's what i think maybe one day is quite what i like or um what i can bring into the house without my um wife knowing so yeah. 
<laughs> what you can sneak in i love it oh my goodness yeah. um no r2's a great i think he's a great focus um i've actually got a well I, well actually i've got a, hang on a second so i've got this little magnet that i keep uh it's an r2d2 magnet i know the people listening can't see it but i'm gonna probably release clips of this stuff but there's this guy okay. from uh a cup i can't remember which cinema it was i think from i think rise that was on the it was a rise of skywalk on the top of a cup yeah i yeah. got one at the back of the shelf here that um yeah it was like yeah from the rise of Skywalker. you're right yeah yeah and then i've and now listening to you talk about your love of r2 has motivated me to um get the older Diagostini, um, which is a model making company, I've got the that build your own R two thing. Right, wow. Always, um, and it's just, well, yeah, that was oh Jesus. I mean, these things are expensive. They, you know, it's a it's mm. a genius marketing ploy because they say, well, we'll hook you in with the first couple of episodes, uh, a couple of issues, sorry, a couple of mm -hmm. each each issue. And you think, yeah, okay, I'll I'll get that. Um, and then you're committed for like two years. To spend a tenner a month or a tenner no a tenner a week i think it was it's weekly aren't they there's yeah, this yeah, yeah, period because yeah. a weekly and it, it builds up and now it's something that i didn't go for so i say sadly but yeah. just weighing up the pros and cons of how much it would cost oh, for uh, a, i believe what are they about 10 15 inches um it's yeah I think that, we... the, the the marketing on that the advertising sorry was a bit um sorry to jump in there but yeah the advertising on that thing was a little misleading they said it was um uh to half scale basically one to two but it's no not, it's not it's not it's, it's not near scale. that is it yeah no, no from what from what i've seen and people who've built them as well yeah. i weighed out the pros and cons probably just before they actually announced they were going to do that i i purchased my as it were one-to-one -one static no lights yeah. whatever um r2 and when i'd worked out how much that diagostini one was going to cost yeah for the, the size it was going to cost it was going to cost me almost the same amount um maybe if not more than the actual one-to-one -one scale so i couldn't yeah. i couldn't justify paying that out and yeah yeah um, i think it worked sadly. out to around two grand i think it was it was, mm. it was almost two thousand um yeah and, and the bugger of it was that they don't even supply you with the batteries so you have to go and buy those from somewhere else um and i would never have known that had i not followed the a facebook group on it um right. but but i haven't built it yet it's all just sitting there it's just i thought it could be a fun little thing that i could do with the kid but he's too young you know he's gonna mm. e eat it or whatever or just trash it but now yeah. yeah now that you've you know i've heard you talking about it i'm thinking i might pull that stuff out of the loft and build it even if it's not quite you know uh quite the deal the real deal and i know a lot of a lot of um builders have had issues with that thing right like things just so i've heard right um yeah some things yeah. have slightly snapped or you've got to be like anything though i mean if you're an engineer you've got to be precise with how you put mm -hmm. it together and i think i i'm quite patient but I'd get a little bit impatient having to wait a week yeah. and having to do it. And then what's next? I do like to try and work things out, yeah. um, but I don't really, I say about space, I don't really have the space to lay it out, work on it. Yeah. Um, I've not got a technical background at all as regards to, I don't know, wiring and soldering, whatever it might need. So I would, I'd be, 
I'd probably be in a corner crying and frustrated, going, "Why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it work?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, um, I'm. I don't think it actually needs soldering though, but I know what you. I, mean. I, I hope it doesn't. Mm. If it does, then I'm stuffed. No, maybe not. Yeah, I haven't done any soldering in about thirty years. You know, I think we did mm. it at school or college or something. And even then, I'm pretty sure I melted everything. So uh... it, it probably is just connectors and wires. But yeah. I'd, I'd try and read the read the instructions, and it would look it would look like I, I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah. then, yeah, it would be frustrating. And I'd I'd want it. I want to know how it's done. I want, I'd like a finished version. Yeah. And then to be able to go back and sort of work back to how I got to the finished version, if I can. Yeah. Um, but have like a, a pop up engineer next to you that you could say am i doing this right is this <laughs> is this in the right place yeah and then you'd get one of those i know the the, the real brilliant droid builders mm. um who we've we've sort of met a few of them and we know a few of them and um just get one of those guys that you can like press a press a button or he pops up out of the community goes hello <laughs> like how can jeeves. i be of assistance yeah yeah yeah, yeah. a little uh, virtual like, ask jeeves to do yeah yeah you're doing it right don't worry you're you're going along the right lines this is going to work and <laughs> that that affirmation would be would be great but yeah i i never started it i, I yeah. may i know look around the uh auction site see if anyone's built one and maybe wants yeah. to sell it for slightly less than what they paid so yeah. i'll tell you what there were a lot of people um uh doing that actually like abandoning it abandoning it halfway through mm. um or the Oh, hang on, there's a train going by. And they would basically say, uh, um, oh, if there were issues missing, they'd say, okay, everything's here. I've started building. I just can't continue with this thing. But actually, I think a lot of it was down to cost. Mm. And, um, and, or if there was anything missing, they'd tell you what it is. So you could pick, there were opportunities, at least when that publication was in, um, you know, on the newsstands. They were opportunities yeah. to pick it up. This story is going to kill you. One of the guys in the the group, the builders group, um, found one, a fully built one. I don't know if it had the battery pack. I, I, the, the, the details are a little vague. But he found one in cash converters, which is uh, <laughs> for for all you non-Brits. It's like a... Uh, Oh, it was. I used to love going to cash converters in the nineties. It was. <laughs> it's basically you. You know, it's kind of like a pawn shop almost. Um, how would you describe it, Liam? You, it's just used. From my understanding stuff. of it, yeah, I've, I've I've looked in the window and not been yeah. quite sure um, of of what what I would want, what I would do. There's yeah. it is, I believe, yeah, like a pawn shop. Um, yeah. You can have anything from um, keyboards to guitars to. Yeah. Um, drills tools yeah. um records cds videos in there yeah. and toys and games and yeah. um people who are maybe a, a little bit strapped for cash um take their items in there and then yeah the the converters of cash shop or whatever will will pay out what they feel is is the value of that item to the person and then put it on their shelf to be resold i believe I, yeah I, i've yeah. never made a transaction there myself but um no. i believe that's how it works well i mean i've never sold anything to them thankfully i've, I've been lucky enough not to uh, ever be in that position but um and I wouldn't because actually I don't think they do give you the the value of what the thing is. They they're, they're going to undercut you, you know, horribly, um, to the point where this fully built R two Diagostini mm. R two. I think it was going for either thirty or fifty quid. 
<laughs> that's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. You, you hope to find those sort of things in the wild nowadays, but yeah. and we're talking about the collecting side of things. If if you've got a I don't know a handkerchief that's basic handkerchief, white handkerchief, nothing. You're talking maybe a pound. Mm. You slap the word Star Wars on it. You're talking mm. twenty five pound. Um, yeah. It just so happens that yeah, anywhere you go. Um, most of the places, I say most places now, if it's if it's got a logo on it, uh, either mm. Disney, Hasbro, Kenner, Palatoy, Star Wars, mm. it, it it rates a premium now. So mm. even through auction sites, you I used to a couple of years ago enjoy going to boot fairs and just yeah. having a, a wander around a boot fair. Um, get out early morning, fresh air, a bit of a leg stretch. And potentially around the local area, try and see things, maybe look out for things that A, I haven't got, or B, would maybe be a double that I could maybe sell on. But mm. few and far between. And like I say, people would have maybe stacks and stacks of videos. Be There'll be um, I don't know, Downton Abbey DVDs or videos or mm. Doctor Who or Star Trek. And you're talking three, four, five pounds. And then you see a Star Wars DVD movie and people are talking 10, 15 and you're like, yeah, ah, just because it's Star Wars. They've cottoned on that. This is the thing. I remember in the 90s, you could like cash converters was a great place actually to pick up um, bargains. Literally, I think yeah. I bought a Super Nintendo in there for about a tenner uh, back in like 97 <laughs> or something, you know, um, when people didn't realize. All right, just wait for that train to go. Uh, realize what the what the value of this stuff was um mm. basically pre-internet i think is what it is it seems to be the internet's um uh just wizened your layman up to uh what this stuff is yeah. as an assumption yeah it's a double-edged sword really yeah. isn't it it's you can you can find it out there but again you've got hundreds of thousands if not millions of people who are out there looking as well yeah. um and it's great because again i mentioned i'm, I'm down in the southeast of england quite but i'm on the coast i'm quite miles away from civilization now, so, um, <laughs> we, we do have color tvs as well so, um <laughs> but getting getting information out there and finding out stuff before the internet yeah. it was looking in a, in a periodical magazine like i mentioned at the model and collectors mart for an advert um for someone who was selling something maybe in in nottingham there was this this yeah. uh, gentleman collector i think sadly passed away just last year a guy called jim i think he called himself jim mr star wars stevenson and he had a massive, great big advert in, in the model and collector's mark every month. And I'd look at it and go, I've got that, and I've got that, and I've got that, ticking it off. But then there'd be these items where we'd be like, oh, I'd love to have that. Oh, that, oh, I'd never even heard of this. And yeah. what was that? And it, it would stem my sort of interest again and try and find out how you could get hold of it, where it would come from, mm. items I'd never seen. And now with obviously the internet, um it's all at your fingertips um but sadly it's, it's uh, everyone else's fingertips and as well yeah. um scarcity with age obviously we're talking 40 plus years um <clears throat> excuse me 40 plus years of of the the toys the collectibles vintage stuff at least um the scarcity the rarity is is just going to increase so yeah. 
yeah it, it's good for finding stuff sometimes you can find a bargain mm. recently picked up a few bits so i i quite like i've never owned um mm. just some just some books and and computer games and stuff and also um old videos as well quite like the, the vhs sets um yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get sort of a, a, a wide range of of those just to add add to a collection don't know quite why um <laughs> but yeah it's you, you've got this knowing your budget and I, I i do have a budget to stick to i'm not someone who can splash out thousands maybe not even hundreds i'm i'm sort of yeah keeping it keeping it low but i know my limit if it goes above a certain limit that i set then i, I won't i won't go any further and i won't pull the trigger on it i'll just go fair enough someone else has won it congratulations move on look for it another time maybe and yeah. quality wise as well i'm I'm not someone who's got any of my stuff graded. Mm. Um, I thought about it. I thought about it again, but I've, I've not graded it. I like to try and get the best quality for the what I've got in my pocket. And mm. um, like like most people, I believe, yeah, it's mm. like I said about the R2. It was it's something that I know I'd worked for, saved up, um, and and just just had it as a goal point and and acquired it i don't think i'd feel as much attachment to it all if it came easy to me so yeah it's it's things that i've i've acquired because yes there is a passion behind collecting there was a little bit of the completest in me like i mentioned earlier um like to get this and this and when i see someone online who's got like i know a set of five things and I've only got four of them. I'd like to get the other fifth one just to put together and yeah. complete. Um, but I know in my head, it's just, you're never going to, you can't get it all. No. Um, I stepped, I stepped back, I suppose in the nineties. Um, and when, when the, the amount of stuff wasn't out there, mm. um, but towards the two thousands with the, with the release of the prequels and stuff, the, the sort of interest, shifted but was reignited again so yeah, yeah I, I still i still purchase every now and then yeah I, I i i exactly i think it was um the build-up to the prequel so i'm going to classify the special editions as part of that mm. build-up which is when i it hooked me back back in how old would i have been mm. uh that was 97 to 17 20 19 20 i was 20 years old yeah jesus um yeah yeah, because it was the twentieth anniversary, of course. Uh, yeah, and ninety-seven. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, I released them I, all, yeah. You see, I can't count. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's when I really started um, the nostalgia factor really started kicking in again. The excitement about the um, the progress that Lucasfilm had made in technology, you know. Um, yeah. It was yeah. And by the, the time, wealth factor returned, yeah. yeah, yeah. And by the time um, episode one came, sorry, yep, okay. Uh, by the time the episode one came, I was just, uh, I was all in. I'm not a prequel hater. Um, I have my issues with those films. I had my issues with them then, back when they came mm -hmm. out. But overall, if if you to ask me back then. You know, well, did you like that? Uh, I would have told you. Well, I saw episode one in the cinema. I think seven or eight times. Right. Um. So yeah, yeah. I I, I liked it. It was different. Yeah. But I liked it. There was a review at the time, right, in um, a local paper or somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Uh, and they said, 
um, paraphrasing here, obviously, because I can't really remember it um, exactly. But it was essentially he said, "Well, um, it it looks a bit different, and it feels a bit different, but it is Star Wars." Mm. So it had that an essence, yeah. Mm. Je ne sais quoi, you know, uh, there was something there that still yeah. inherently kept it Star Wars. Um, I think as we as we've grown up and, and our experiences um, diversify or, or, in, or get larger, we appreciate say different things and we can see things in a, in a clearer view. So seeing Star Wars and New Hope or Star Wars as it was just called then, or as I was five, was wow, blew my mind. It was pretty much 100% of my my knowledge, as it mm. were. But when you go 22 years later, mm. um, yeah, 22 years later, I think, when we get to uh, the prequels, the, the Phantom Menace, mm. my, my experiences in life would a wide range. So I understood more. So the impact, it wasn't as impactful Mm. um maybe i'm leading on to a story but i actually i I, when i well i went out to los angeles um in nine in 99 hold that thought um let me just quickly plug this thing in Uh, (laughs) yes this is good um and i also want to talk uh yeah let's talk about prequels man let's let's talk about your ray story let's talk about um some other stuff and i and, and yeah you made a fantastic point just now about how mm. our worldview has changed we are now older and i hate it when people when i hear people say now that oh well this is it's for kids and this isn't for you that's why you don't like it or whatever um i think the beauty of star wars is that it we it seems to age with us mm. yeah, like i view the prequels now in a even broader light to um how i did when i was in my early 20s but we'll we'll get to that in a minute again from from you and i point uh, point of view of actually when we first met we had a, a chat and you you kind enough said oh we'll arrange to meet and have an actual beer and talk about films mm. in general so mm. i mean just just sort of an offshoot of where we where we ended so what we were talking about previously but yeah. um i i'm not a I, it's only Star Wars. Star Wars is it. Star Wars is the best thing in the world. Blah blah blah. Mm. Um, I do enjoy Star Trek. I do enjoy yeah. Stargate. I love parody films. I love Galaxy Quest as a film, yeah. and, and the whole thing about conventions. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, Star Wars is sort of my main thrust of everything. Yeah. Um, it doesn't rule my day, and I can appreciate all of the other genres as well um i i think fandom cosplay for any sort of thing is is fantastic and amazing i we talked about conventions a little bit earlier how we met through conventions um i haven't been to one of the big american conventions at all i've been done been to a few in london locally and local small events and and the passion that everyone has and their ability to create costumes environments it, it's just awe inspiring and i i just i commend everyone that does that i know a few people through again social media who work really hard on costumes and takes months and months if not years to build things and i i just have the utmost respect and admiration for these people really and yeah the, the 
see sadly with with what's going on in the world and lockdown and all of that um missing them but we've managed yeah. to get together outside of conventions and and chat about film in general and i think that again is something i can appreciate and speaking about the the, the diversification of liking a film um i don't just watch I watch the film, I watch the film, I watch the film, but then I want to know how did it get to the, the, the screen? What what made it happen? What Who was involved? Who done that? Why did they do this? And um, I love learning more about cinematographers in film and how they do things, the lighting people, um, any of those sort of things, but also then get into the editing stage of how you actually piece together the items to tell a story yeah. that's coherent to people. Um, all of those sort of things. Then obviously the marketing side of things happens. Um, and because my understanding knowledge a little bit of how those things have come together has had an impact on how I see films nowadays. So the prequels um, and the sequels as well, um, and I form my opinion. I do do a bit of Googling and looking on uh, social media and YouTube channels for other people's opinions to see about how do they view it? What did they yeah. feel? Um, I'm not one of those ones who will be really outspoken about something. Mm. I'll just say it didn't sit right with me or I probably would have done something if I had the money, the power, and half the intelligence all of these people do have. Um, I may have taken it in a slightly different direction, but that's a complete novice mm. thinking that he can he can do better than someone who's been in that role for. A, but it's an opinion. Yeah. Um, it, I could, would it work? Would it work? I don't know. In my head, maybe, but for a million plus other people, it'd be wrong for them. So mm. it it is what it is. You can like it. You can love it. You can say you didn't like it, and you can say, "Well, I'm not going to watch that again." Fair exactly. enough. It's as simple as that, isn't it? Okay, let's um, let's go back to, let's pick up uh, where you were about to tell us. Mm. We were leading up to the um, because we'll come back to um that element because you bring up some really interesting points. Um, mm. so we'll we'll talk about that. Um, and I do want to explore that idea of us growing with the uh, rather sorry the the films growing with us. Is it for us? Is it not for us? Um, in my worldview, it's more a question of when will it be for us, perhaps. Um, mm. and, I'll, and I'll try and explain that later on. But let's okay. No, so we're yeah. building up to um, episode one, the Phantom Menace. Yep. Yeah. Um, so ninety nine. We're speaking about early ninety nine. I was I was lucky enough to be working for a a local holiday company that does holidays for the over 50s. Some of you may know the name of that company. Um, and they had a staff concessions unit where we could um, get relatively um, discounted flights. So my thought process was, well, where do I want to see this film? Do I want to wait till it comes out in the UK? Or do I want to take the leap and actually go to America to watch the film? Um, do I want to go to Florida? 
because I've heard Florida's great and it's got Disney parks and everything? Or do I want to go to the other side, the West Coast, go to L.A. where Hollywood and all the films are made? And again, my, my liking of films in general, um, mine's made up. Go to Los Angeles, go out and see the film there. It was probably be around Christmas, uh, New Year of 99. I put my mind to it. Yeah, definitely going to do it. Saved up the money, went to the concessions, um, got the tickets. I did say, I, I spoke to some friends of mine, a work colleague and some other mates as well that I hung around with at the time, drinking buddies, etc., and said to them, um, how do you fancy going on a two-week holiday with me to Los Angeles? And they were like, sounds interesting. Let's do it. And I didn't really say that, by the way, we're actually going to watch Star Wars. Um, <laughs> one, one of my friends was is, is pretty into sci-fi. Um, my, 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 my best buddy, my, my um, best man at my wedding as well, um, he's quite into sci-fi. His brother couldn't care less about it. And then another friend, we just tagged along because he would be good to carry the bags. Um, <laughs> and so we, we got together, we chatted about it. We thought it'd be a good idea. We had a plan of going and seeing this, that and the other while we were out there. It was, it was Los Angeles, it's Hollywood, it's films. We all enjoyed going to the cinema as friends anyway. So it was like, yeah, we'll get to see the stars and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, we we got our flights from Heathrow. We flew out. I believe it was the Saturday before the Wednesday of the release. I think the film released sort of midnight Wednesday into Thursday, I believe it was. We flew out. We we stayed just off of Hollywood Boulevard on the corner of uh, Sunset and La Brea in a little travel lodge, as it was then. Um, bed and breakfast um a friend of mine had told me about it the year before because she went out there and went to hollywood and had a wander around she told me about it um yeah we it was what i didn't realize it was it was only my second flight um and it was all of my mates first flight they'd ever been on um ever. and so yeah the first flight ever they'd all been on it was only my second flight and um wow. my first flight had been to rio on my own i, I went to <laughs> Brazil, Rio, on my own for my first flight. And it's just like, this is no problem. Yeah, turbulence, oh, I'm used to that now, and da-da-da. And So we get out, we get to LA, time difference, um, jet lag kicked in like nobody's business. We we arrived on the Sunday, we managed to get to the travel lodge, we chucked our stuff, our bags down, and we were 10, 15 minutes walk from Hollywood Boulevard and um, Man's Chinese Theatre. Nice. So, so, yes. so yeah, we um we decided that I, I thought because it was a new film, um I told them by then that we were gonna that we were gonna see a film and it was my role it was my aim to see Star Wars out there and they were happy with it. They were like, Yeah, why not? We'll do this, um, we'll go for it. So I thought it's going to be a big one. There's going to be, I don't even know we are going to have tickets. Like the, the week before there was talk of sold out. You're not going to get tickets for weeks and da, da, da. And we just took the pun and we walked around to Man's Chinese Theatre, walked around to the ticket office on the Sunday after the Saturday, well, the Sunday we arrived from the Wednesday before. And we said, hi there. Is, I said, is there any chance at 
at all. There might be a ticket for Phantom Menace this week. And the person said, uh, do you want the midnight showing, the nine o'clock showing, or the 11 o'clock showing? I was like, well, there's tickets. There's tickets available. What's good? We, <laughs> I'll take them all. Yeah, so so I looked at the lads and we we said, well, we don't really want to do the midnight showing. That'd be a bit mad, and we're still suffering a little bit. We sort of thought, well, nine o'clock's a bit early. We'll, we'll what we'll do is we'll get up, we'll have breakfast, and we'll wander around for a reasonable hour of the eleven o'clock showing. So it was like, okay, can we have four tickets for the eleven o'clock showing? And it was like, yep, there you go, bish bash bosh, done. From my recollection, within. 20 minutes half an hour and i was like really oh, i've got tickets for the film on opening day in man's chinese theater oh my god I'm like, keep those tickets safely and don't lose them um and it was you still all got around them? that time you still got them Just, i no i think they took them in i don't think oh. i'm not sure i may have them maybe somewhere i may have my sub oh. somewhere I, I may have yeah. Okay. Now I come to think I might have somewhere, but I yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Okay, sorry, please right. continue. No, no, it might have a somewhere. So it was all around that time where again there was all of the people outside my Manchester City. People were cute, uh, sleeping overnight and their tent putting their tents out and the rows and rows of campers out and everything like that. And again, it was just a thought that how did I get these tickets? How do we get these tickets? And what's it gonna be like? So anyway, we we had a wander around. We went up the um, the, 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 the the avenue of Star, the, the Walk of Fames, um, and we, we didn't hire a car. We just we just thought no, because I would be, I would was the only one who was going to be able to drive anyway. The others um, didn't have enough on their licenses or something along those lines. So we just thought no, we wouldn't. Get, we we just wander around. We'd walk, um, complete and utter tourists. Those of you, if anyone is in LA or has been there. No one really walks, everyone drives. So to walk down the sidewalks, as it's called, two places, you'd get stares and looked at by the cars going past you, going, who are these people? What are they doing? They, they're walking? What's this? Um, but, yeah, so we, we, we'd spend sort of our nights in, in the um, – in the in the travel lodge, as it were, there was a Seven Eleven opposite us. We'd order pizza or takeaway or Chinese, go and get a twenty-four crate of beers pretty much every night, and between the four of us, finish it off, um, and leave it for room service, as it were, in the morning, which wasn't pleasant. I would tell you, there's a few nights that was a bit messy. Um, but yeah, in the lead up to as well, the Phantom Menace coming out, there was. Um, Another little film that arrived around about the same time called um, The Matrix. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so so in the lead-up to that, we actually went and watched The Matrix in, I think it's called, I think it's still called The Galaxy Cinema, which is next door to Man's. We went and watched yeah. that. Um, and then it was the lead-up, really, to, to what was going on on the Wednesday evening for the release of The Phantom Menace. And... We were, like I say, 15 minutes walk away in our little travel lodge. Mm. Um, and as the evening built up and built up, we said, well, let's go round and get immersed in all what's going on and see what's happening. And so we, we put on the news on a, a little television in the room and we could see just like up the road, all the lights and the helicopters with the lights shining down to what's going on. And we look out the window, see the helicopter and everything like that. And we was like, okay, yeah, let's go and have a wander around, see what's going about. And it was manic. It was crazy. 
parts of the road were shut off. I'm sure they do it for all big premieres and stuff. But yeah. Parts of the road were shut off. There were um, police cordons everywhere. All people dressed up. It, it was just amazing. The atmosphere was phenomenal. But one of the, the, the things that sticks in my mind as well was there was a, a group of probably seven or eight Trekkies. I'd like to call them Trekkies. I do apologise if I offend anyone, but Trekkies walking around saying, make Trek, not wars. Make Trek, not wars. <laughs> and and everyone in the crowd go, woo, yes, woo. But these, people, these people were dressed up and mm. had all their um, Starfleet oh, uniforms sorry. on and everything. It was re really quite bizarre. And, yeah, you're watching the queues and people line up and it was like, we're going to be there in like 11 hours. So we were there at like midnight watching all this stuff go on. And it was, yeah, crazy. And just knowing that, approximately 11 hours later we'd actually be going in to watch it and it was it was great it was a real mm. good feeling yeah um <clears throat> and it sounds like oh god you're painting a great picture um oh man if only i could have seen it <laughs> i could yeah i mean because i was i was hyped for it but it, it to actually want to travel you know to the mm. um you know to what the home of cinema would never have even crossed my mind. Um, okay, so let's let's continue on your LA journey if we can, mm. if you wouldn't mind. So, yeah, continue. So you're oh. building, you're you're literally so the next, there. Yeah, the next day then. So we 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 get up. Um, I think probably one or two of us maybe have had a hangover, <laughs> um, feeling a little bit worse for wear. Weather was not too bad. It wasn't like steaming hot LA as you'd expect. Um, blue skies every day. There was a few cloudy days. Um, and I remember one day we had rain. But so we got dressed, we got ready. We we had a wander around and probably maybe nine o'clock ish we were out of the uh, travel lodge we walked around walked up hollywood and we could see the nine o'clock showing lined up ready to go in as it were just filtering in mm. um and then we sort of said okay where, where, where should we start queuing how does it work it's new to us how do the lines work and all of that sort of thing and then, then we looked across the road and started to see another queue forming on i think it was as you're looking at man's chinese theaters we're on the left hand side going round the block and yeah. go up to someone and say oh what queue is this for what showing is this for and they were like oh yeah this is the 11 o'clock showing queue and you're like oh, oh so he's queuing already all right what's the time it's not even 10 o'clock yet oh blimey okay all right so we we walked down partial part of the road and i, I can't remember if it's Hawthorne or another drive or something that leads north to south on the on the side left side of man's chinese theater so we we walk down and then we start walking up this driveway um this this, this drive and it keeps going the queue and the queue keeps going yeah and the queue keeps going and i'm looking i'm thinking we must have passed 200 300 people already we're never going to get in. What's going on? Oh, we finally get to almost the top of the road and the queue ends. And we say, right, okay, what's the time? Oh, it's about 20 past 10 now. Oh. The show's at 11. We're at the end of the queue. No, it's not moving. And I'm, I'm starting to fret and get a bit panicky a little bit. Yeah. I've paid these tickets. I've come all this way. I'm never going to get another chance. What's going on? Um, look at my watch. Half past 10. It's still not moving. <laughs> People are coming in behind us, queues getting bigger, and I'm like, 
This ain't. This is never gonna. We're never gonna get in. So it's worth mentioning here, just for a second, um, just in case there's anybody listening again who's not familiar. Um, and I'm I'm assuming here, but certainly my experience of cinema going to the cinema in the U.S. is a free for all. Okay, and in the '90s, I think it was a free for all here in England as well, or at least in London. Um, the, the 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 seats uh, allocation thing didn't come in until later because I remember seeing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure. I, I well, I'm not sure, obviously, because there's a bit of doubt. But in the U.S., certainly, when I was studying out there, um, from 2000 till 2003 or whatever it was, um. Our cinemas in Columbus and Atlanta, they were not allocated seating. So, did you have seats? I think I think the ticket was numbered, and we were we weren't sure whether it was like you say an allocated yeah. seat um, provision or whatever. Um, the queue started moving, and it was like twenty to eleven before any movement happened. And right. by eleven o'clock, we were in sitting down at. We, we managed to find out the seat allocation number um, and we were sitting down before the lights went out. I, I, again, oh, really? I, another remembrance of this day was how the queue just went. It wasn't a run. It wasn't a rush. We just we just walked to the in around the corner to the front doors, showed the tickets, went in. Past the curtain down the down the sort of the slope. Yeah. We were on the I think it's called the stalls or whatever. Um, down the slope, found we believe we were trying to say, right, this is our seat, this is our number. Let's just take it in case we might get turfed out. We don't know, but at least that's what it says on our ticket. Um, okay. All four of us sat down. No one kicked us out. No one wanted us to move. Um, and yeah, within twenty minutes, as I say, from being all the way up one block or wherever, we were sitting down in our seats, and the lights were pretty much ready to go down. Amazing. So. What's the capacity of uh, uh, the Chinese? Because I don't, oh. I actually don't know. Then it's that. No, I, I, that to be honest with you, I don't know. It's 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 an amazing cinema. Obviously, it's it's well known. It's, it's um, no, I, I don't know. Someone out there will probably be able to yeah. say say what it is. But um, yeah, just the, the getting in was the experience. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the as you probably know, and obviously different from the UK mm. to America. Yeah. Is the reaction when the lights go down? Yeah, they scream. I love that. They they go crazy yeah, and so for and I love it. Feel for novice newbie individuals from the back street backwaters of the southeast of England. Mm. We're like, what's going on here? What are they cheering? What are they cheering about? What's yeah, because England was so team? quiet. Yeah, we we yeah. were so quiet. No clapping, no nothing. Yeah. You you come in, you sit. We're so civilized. But I yeah. used to, I used to, I yeah, it was fine. But no, man, there was no experience, and still there isn't. I think to this day, like seeing a film in the U.S. Uh, with a, it, with it's a, another, it's another level of of wow because the lights dim, there's an audience eruption, hmm. the the curtains open, there's an audience eruption, hmm. and obviously then when you see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, you get goosebumps. The audience goes mad. <laughs> and then there's the hit. And then there's the Star Wars fading into the disc. 
and your ears are just going, I can't say, this is amazing, what's going on? And the amount of people in the crowd, in the audience with a fluorescent or a light-up mm. lightsaber wiggling it in the air. Mm. And it, it was an experience. You just, as, as we look at each other as sort of, these four chaps going, wow, what have we walked in? Is this going to build a way through the film? What's mm. what, how is it going to work? Um, the crawl comes up, the, the, the title comes up, the credits go up. Um, they're shouting and hollering, and it's just like, amazing. What is going on? When they'd introduce a character, again, harping back to sort of R2, when R2-D2's name um, designation on Queen Amidala's ship comes out, mm. and um, I think it's uh, Panaka says... She's asking, oh, what is the joy's little name? And he says, he, he, this is R2-D2. The crowd erupted again. It went mm. crazy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a, a completely out-of-this-world out of experience. And yeah. you're sitting there on opening day, group of people who are well-invested in it, watching something that you've waited for for 10, 15-odd years to appear. Yeah. And, yeah, it, 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 an experience. And I... The, I can remember bits of the film, but just the experience was just there. I can only imagine uh, what it must have felt like because I've not experienced a mm. Star Wars film in that way. Um, mm. I saw them all here in England. Um, maybe I saw Attack of the Clones out there. Uh, I don't know. I can't mm. remember. But yeah, wow. Um, okay, so and it, it literally uh you, you you've essentially described you know that last uh, the last few frames of um fanboys you know Carl Newman's uh fanboys film which yeah. is uh, yeah. a wonderful piece of work you guys should go see it if you haven't seen it already um <clears throat> okay so film is playing so it sounds to me like you are more caught up by the experience than the actual film itself when did that film did it sink in, or did or when you left, were you like, okay, I I understand this, I I took that. No, in. I, that's happened to me with pretty much all of the films. I think my um, aspirations, expectations, mm. um, and I think I get slightly closed off slightly, or I just try and keep it minimised for my first viewing, mm. and just let it hit me, um, and then on subsequent viewings of all the films. Um, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, all the way up into Rise of Skywalker, etc. Um, it's probably not until the third, the fourth, maybe the fifth viewing yeah. Yeah. that I'm then maybe analysing, looking into, well, where did that happen? What happened? Um, I know from the Phantom Menace, I mean, just sort of an aside, sorry, we, mm. we watched it as a friends and as the experience, it was like, Wow, wow, I've waited so many years for this. I've traveled this distance. I've paid this money. Have I taken it all in? And I didn't. I, I couldn't do. Mm. Um, so it was a case of I've watched it at least. I'm going to need to watch it again mm. and again mm. and again probably mm. before I actually – see the film which is a bit of a weird say to see it but yeah I, I watched it but did i see it yeah um and so yeah i come out of it going right okay so the princess and there's uh there's this pod race which is amazing and that that the darth maul character amazing that fight scene the way the doors open and he's just standing there mm. spine tingling amazing setup um, and they were the two standouts for me. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, 
because my friends weren't truly as as into it as I was, it was a little bit difficult to have a conversation about well, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Um, yeah, we talk about it, but it wasn't as in depth as maybe you or I would have, or another yeah. <laughs> geek fan, as it were. Yeah. So it was it was a it was a hit in the face it was a slap in the face all of the experience in one but we came out of there we came out of man's chinese theater um and we jumped straight on a star tours or a tour of the homes bus to take us around sort of beverly hills and show us the, the houses yeah. the houses of the stars so really bizarre day that was it was yeah we come out probably one two o'clock or whatever we was on this bus yeah. going around Beverly Hills and the homes and seeing um, well, the gates at least and the hedges for the Playboy Mansion and everything as well. So, <laughs> so really bizarre day, really, really oh, weird day at least. That, surreal, um, yeah. Basically then slightly got top trumped a few days later. Okay, so talk about that then. Well, we'd been out, um, We, I think we we had organized trips to i say organized trips just the, the travel lodge had a driver mm-hmm. and they said hey do you want to do you want to hire the driver it'll take you anywhere you want to go so we went to disneyland we had a day out in disneyland nice. driver took us there dropped us off we said okay pick us up at, i know five six whatever pick us up mm-hmm. um and we went out to another place called six flags magic mountain which is a roller coaster place amazing rides and um some really some really cracking events um but my friends they had a bit of money a bit of cash um so we went shopping so okay. we decided to um head to we never experienced a mall a mall or whatever yeah. um we never experienced that so we said okay on this day let's do a bit of shopping we we go maybe take some stuff back we see what the prices are like yeah let's head to a mall and um just just have a mooch around for the day and so yeah just random day random time we we went to one of the malls um it wasn't downtown it was i don't know if it was a santa monica mall it may have been a santa monica mall okay um we went there and we just just was wandering around four brits having to look around seeing what prices were like trying to ascertain the the, the uh caution sizes because we'd heard that the food is much bigger and you get much more bang for your buck and um yeah and then we we went into a clothes shop and a friend of mine, the, the one of my my mates I was with, um, took probably half an hour to pick a t-shirt. Um, and I standing there waiting, and I, I don't mind shopping, I'm okay, but it was like just pick a shirt, just hurry up, come mm. on, I don't want to be standing there any longer. So I left him to it. Him and his brother stayed there in the shop looking through t-shirts, 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 whilst myself and my other friend just had a wander off and we went left and then we went right and then we then left again, whatever it was. Mm. Uh, and we ended up in a footlocker. And so the stories before you go to America is the old trainers are cheaper. You can get your trainers quite cheap. And um, there's, there's makes and models over here that you never find anywhere else. And you're like, Let's just go and have a price. I wasn't going to buy any. I, I didn't have the need to buy trainers. Yeah. Um, so we just walked into a foot locker. And as we were walking around and looking, some some person, a person catches my attention. Um, now, I had to get the story to the end, but mm. 
I'd been reading about the Phantom Menace on the plane on the way out. I think there was a, a, a Daily Mail or a Mail on Sunday snippet about the film with a few little images of the film and behind the scenes in it. Um, and a thumbnail image of a certain behind the scenes of a certain character. So I said to my friend, um, that, that bloke over there, let's just go and get a little bit closer. Let's find out whether he's got an English accent. My friends, what, what? are you in the middle of a morning? How are we going to do this? I said, well, let's pretend we're buying shoes next to him. Um, and let's just have a listen to what he says. So we go over, we're standing next to this person, trying to be as inconspicuous as we can, try not to look too weird and stalkerish, as it were. Um, and I listen, and yeah, there's an English accent. I can hear definite UK accent. I'm like, okay, that's the first part of the puzzle. And then as he's turned around and he's, he's got his back to us, I can see um, his neck, and after reading this clip, I'd heard that this person had been attacked in the street by a gang of people and had been slashed with a Stanley knife. And I saw a gash on the back of this person's neck. And I said, that could be from a, a blade or a cut. OK, that's interesting. Another thing. Then this person again goes to the counter, goes to the till, as it were, to pay for, I think it was like three pairs of trainers. So my mind goes, well, if you're a local, if you know Foot Locker, if you know the shop, you probably come in and buy one pair of trainers. But if you're a tourist, you buy two or three or four pairs of trainers. So I'm adding it all up. English accent, scar on the back of the neck, tourist. I say to my friend, I say to my mate, um, I think I know who that is. I think that guy is actually one of the actors in Star Wars. We've just watched the film. And my mate's like, yeah, get away from it. You're stupid. You've got Star Wars fog on the brain. You're, you're too, no, let's get out of here. Let's get out of this shop. Our mate's probably bought his T-shirt by now, wondering where we were. Let's get back to him. I was like, yeah, fair enough. Okay, we can't, we can't mill around here not buying anything for too long. We are going to look suspicious. Sadly, at the... Exacting somebody decides to move out of the shop. This person and two colleagues that he was with, uh, two people he was with, I don't know what I can say about who they were or anything like that, but this person was in front of us by about five paces walking out of the shop. And I was like, okay, fair enough. That is what it is. We, that's it. Well, as he turns right, we had to go right. He's walking five paces ahead of us. We have to go to this certain direction. Then he crosses, uh, I think, like a, a bridgeway inside the mall. And we have to cross this bridgeway to get back to my friend. So we're behind him still. Then again, he has to go right um, towards the car park, it turns out to be. Um, and it's right next to the shop where my friend is buying his T-shirt still. Um, and so we're, we're five steps behind this person, and <clears throat> by this time, his companions are looking back and sort of seeing two people that have been following them since they walked out of Foot Locker. So we're about sort of three or four minutes in, two or three hundred yards away from the shop, and we're still behind them. 
So we're like, oh, this looks a bit suspicious. This is a bit odd. I was sort of like whistling and looking around, going la 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 di da. We know we're not we're not following you honestly. Honestly, we're not. Um, we you said that to, to him. You said Pardon? that to them. You said that to them. Did you? That oh, no, 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 no. It was just sort of no, no, no. We we were sort of say far enough back, but yeah. we were conspicuous, inconspicuous, as it were. Um, we got to this intersection place where the car parks were led off, and on the corner of this this shop, it was glass fronted on two sides. So we walked sort of right as as the car park went left you could see through the shop front from one side to the other and i'm looking through the shop front to my left as i look through this person that we've been tailing looks over his right shoulder through the shop and can see me looking at him and it's like oh our eyes have met oh dear uh look away what's going on so i say to my friend we, we stuck outside the shop my friend still hasn't bought his t-shirt we're saying, I'm saying, oh my God. I've got to, I've got to do something. I can't leave it. I'll, wait here, wait. Here. I'm going to do something. So I, I, I jog, sprint, walk fast, round the corner of this shop, just before this person has got to the doors to the car park. He's heard me coming behind him, with his back turned, drop these foot locker bags and whatever else he was carrying. And within three or four yards of this person has turned around to me with a with a, uh, a, a stance ready for a rumble, ready for a fight, mm. with one hand up blocking, the other, I think, the right hand down, ready, clenched fist, ready to thump someone, said, shouted to me as I was coming around the corner, who are you and what do you want? And I was like, as I was sort of running, stumbling, hands up, whatever was in us, I was like, no, 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 I think I know who you are. I think you're Ray Park, and I think you're Darth Maul in the new Star Wars film. And as he raised his, mm. his right hand fist, he went, yeah, I am, how are you doing? And then changed <laughs> the hand from a fist to a handshake. And within, like, seconds, it went from, I'm going to get my face punched in here, to, oh my god i'm in front of ray park and yeah yeah I, I had to catch my breath and my mate walked around the corner i said is everything all right i went yeah yeah he's in he's in he's in, he's in. Oh my god. <laughs> he ran back into the shop to tell the friend who was going, the friend was out of the shop in 50 seconds he'd been in there for 45 minutes he's out of the shop within two seconds as he were and we're standing there on the corner of this sort of mall by the car park um, just saying, yeah, hello, Ray. Well, yeah, we just saw your film the other day and we thought the flight scene was brilliant and how did it work? And yeah, it was wow. just coincidence, just uh, uh, a, a twist of fate, timing, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. You nearly got your head kicked in by Darth Maul. I believe I was very close to being completely pummeled. <laughs> yeah, knowing that he was, I, I again read out that it was about the martial arts, the wushu. Yeah. Um, I'm he's he's probably five seven, five eight, and I'm six one. Yeah. Nineteen twenty stone, but I was scared. I, I was like, yeah. no, 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 no. He's I've got really... no martial arts training or anything like that. I was like, um, 
No, let's just de-escalate this. I'm really yeah. nice. I'm from the UK. Hello. <laughs> um, oh and goodness. yeah, we managed to, we managed to have a chat for twenty minutes, half an hour, and, and got a nice couple of photos that I constantly post on social media yeah. about what's going on. And um, yeah, it was just amazing that 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 meeting that day. Yeah, I lo- I love that story. Every time I, I, you've not told it to me in quite so much detail. Um, <laughs> So it feels fresh and new, and uh, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, speaking, let's talk about, you know, you, you're talking about a place that you're in, um, visiting, flying. You have a rather unique um, offshoot to your hobby. You, you run a site called Star Wars Places. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, I love this thing. I, I love this account. I love this um, website. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, because mm. for someone who's, you know, that was your second flight ever. Mm. Uh, and which which is quite astonishing in itself. But you're right. I mean, some people don't travel at all. When I was at uni, um, there were people there who didn't even have passports. And, you know, and they were mm. young adults, right? Um so yeah, happens to traveling to basically locations where this film, mm. uh, where these films have been made and shot, um, and then photographing the evidence and everything. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that. How did that come about? I'm guessing, I'm assuming here, I'm hoping that perhaps this story, your your LA um, encounter, as I like to call it, uh, perhaps had something to do with that i mean how did you get to wanting to not just um documenting uh you know your your trips to these uh locations but like mm. you know wanting to do it to begin with yeah i think i think the trip to los angeles was the uh embryonic stage of the idea was trying to incorporate or encompass two elements a nice holiday somewhere that was enjoyable yeah. but had a star wars twist to it um <clears throat> that's not to say i go everywhere that has star wars located i don't i don't do yeah. other places yeah. um but it's a case of if the filmmakers have gone there then the 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 screen image that i saw showed something that was interesting to me Going back to what we said earlier about wanting to know how cinematography worked, lighting, location, it all stemmed from that idea. And knowing that that it wasn't studio based, it wasn't sets, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they were actually real world locations. Um, if I can just go off on a tangent slightly, my, my dad actually used to work at the BBC as a scenic um services operator so he used to do a night shift where any shows that had been finished filming during the day the sets the background the walls all of that needed to come out of the studio be stored and then the new set had to go in overnight ready for filming the next day so i'd I'd sort of i i see where that was coming from but it wasn't fixed it wasn't something you could visit um, saying that I have been to television centre, BBC television centre, um, and been in some of the studios and um, 
some of the things in, in that area, but it, it was it was a fluid thing. It was constantly moving. So, <clears throat> excuse me. The thought of going to LA first was the holiday, the experience, all of that. Um, but then it's sort of well, why not go to these places that exist? Why not? It wasn't a case of oh, I want to be on Tatooine or I want to be on um, Hoth or anything along those lines. It was just a case of what's it like when it's there? What maybe is 360 degrees? What's behind the camera? What can't you see? What? How wonderful is the magic of cinema to combine these elements that makes it the wow factor? Um, and so, yeah, still working for a holiday company, managed to get um, discounted flights to places, um, not heavily discounted, mind you, but discounted enough, um, and was was lucky to to then get with a partner, now my wife, who who indulged me, um, has an interest, but not a uber passion, but said, let's do it. Why not? Let, let's go for it. Let's see what it's like. So the first real trip that we took um, was an organized, as it were, it was a package holiday to Tunisia. Um, that was back in early, I think it was February 2004 um, and it was a full-on package flights accommodation on the Isle of Gerba and we basically said well we don't know much about it but that's the location that's where a lot of the places the filming was done and I it was the early early stages of the internet um, I looked at a bit of research there were a few fans social media people that posted that they'd been to locations and they said where they were and that was again if they're doing it what's stopping me from doing it i'm i'm not someone who's a multi-millionaire got loads of money i feel like i'm just normal guy normal job um likes films like cinema Let, let's get out there and do it and luckily enough, we arrived at this location. We went to the orientation sort of meeting on the next day. And the um, excursions, the optional excursions you could opt into, went pretty much around the locations near the Star Wars site. So I was like, this is brilliant. And I was talking to the rep and talking to the guys and saying, oh, so you're doing this for Star Wars then? And oh, that's the stuff. They were like, Star what? Star who? Star Wars? No, no not getting interest. And they're like, really? really? That's shocking. And it, was, it wasn't it was geared up for it. And I was like, yeah, did you know that this was this? And this was that. I, I nosed out, went a bit geeky. Um, and they were like, well, let's, let's see what we can do. And um, yeah, we booked up the optional excursions and it was, it was fantastic. The hotel we stayed in on the island was brilliant, lovely. Um, great location, but it was it was excursions that were paid for. We did we didn't hire a well. I'll tell a story about that. We we mostly just went on the the coaches or the the, the four by fours to the locations. They were there for maybe the the local cuisine or the local wares. Um, but knowing that it was just like a stone's throw away from the the slave quarters of. The Phantom Menace, where um, Anakin leaves his mum to go with Qui Gon, was just round the back of this marketplace. So they, the excursion took people to the marketplace. I 
didn't have to worry about the marketplace. I skipped around the corner and I was there in the location that was used in the film. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a lot of internet research. There's a few, there was a few guys on the internet had already done these things. Um, there was an old publication called the Star Wars Aficionado magazine, okay. uh, which is not a magazine. It's like a paper um, version. And there was a few travelers out. I think one of the guys, uh, was Ian Trussler, I think I want to say a name, but I might be wrong. But they they put their stories up of going locations. Again, it was inspiration for me to go. I'll give this a whirl. I'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, and so the research said that, yeah, on the actual island of Gerber itself, there were three locations. There's the cantina or the faux facade of the cantina entrance. There was originally Ben's um, home hovel place that you see the land speeder outside. Yeah. And then there's the, um, the home Toshi station area or whatever that um, Luke is meant to go to that he flies past at least as he's entering uh, Moss Eisley mm. and that's slightly up the up the um, the coastline as it were so that wasn't on a, an excursion or anything like that mm. so the wife and I or the, the future wife and I we went down to the reception area of the hotel we said is there a possibility of booking a taxi? Can we get a taxi anywhere on this island? And they were like, sure, yeah, we'll get you a taxi. What do you want? I was like, well, could we have a taxi, please, at, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning, going from here and driving us around sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and potentially, as you know, or some of you, there's, there's Arabic spoken or French in, in, in Tunisia. So, um, and I knew a little bit of French, is it actually French or is it Berber, like uh, in Morocco? It, it, Berber, M Moroccan. So, yeah, but with, right. with, with Merci and yeah. Javoudres and as best as I could, yeah. I could muddle through a few words <laughs> okay. to get my intentions out there. Yeah. So the taxi driver pulls up in probably a 1980s Fiat, <laughs> wherever it was. Um, I sit in it and the suspension goes down about two or three inches. My wife's only small, so it doesn't really change at all. That, that's the only thing. Um, and we say, on va, head towards here. I didn't have a map. I didn't have a maps with me. Oh, God. Um, I just I was just trying to say uh, right and left and straight on. Um, and at that time, where we left... Um, Ajim, which is the sort of capital town in the south of Jerba, where the cantina is, we headed up what was then a dirt road. Well, I think they've tarmacked it now. We headed up a, a potholed dirt road heading out from Ajim towards what I believed for the first port of call was, was Ben's um, hovel home. And I'm saying to this bloke, keep going. Keep going straight on a bit. Yeah, it's, it's definitely on the left somewhere. It's on the yeah. Don't worry, it is there. We're probably going 10, 15 miles an hour because he can't go any faster because he's hitting every bump, every pothole in the road, and I can hear the exhaust whacking on the floor. Um, and I'm thinking this bloke's gonna absolutely stickers for cash mm. what are we, how much we can't i don't know how we can afford this and it costs you three so, <laughs> yeah i can't remember how much i paid but anyway he takes us to the location i pat him on the shoulder and say yeah this is it this is it great stop here 
trying to get him not to like drive off and leave us in the middle of nowhere, trying to let him know that this is only one stop on a few. I was trying to wrap my brains about that, but we understood each other. I said, yeah, we'll just take a few photos. We'll get back. So wife took a couple of photos of me there back in the days when it was still, um, I think early days of digital, but I still think we had film cameras. So early digital days, probably three, maybe five megapixels back then. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, took the photos, got back in the car and said, continue on. Another probably 20 minutes, half an hour of this bumpy, treacherous road. We managed to get to um, the next location, the Toshi station and the um, the deleted scenes, as it were, where Luke meets Biggs for the first time and talks to him about leaving, or uh, well, Biggs talks to him about leaving the Empire and joining the Rand Ecliptic, for anyone yeah. who knows all of that sort of stuff. So we arrived there, great location, wasn't quite sure exactly where the filming was, I didn't have a lot of time. I didn't want to take any more of this taxi driver's time up, to be honest with you. Mm. So take a few photos. Thank you very much. Get back in the car. Head down at an actual made road now. Luckily enough, we got back onto a made road. Heading down towards a gym. Um, and for the life of me, I could not direct him to the location that I needed where the the entrance to the cantina was we were like oh. 200 yards away but i wasn't entirely sure the street where it was didn't have google maps back then or anything yeah. like that so it was a case of i could try keep saying go left go left go right go left but this taxi driver probably wouldn't have taken much more of it we like no, no don't be silly mm. but the weird thing was however he i think he invited us back or he, I think he stopped halfway at his sister's house. He got out and his brother-in-law got in the taxi and drove us round again. I'm like, what's going We look, both my wife and I look at each other going, are we safe? Is this okay? Um, we are going to get back to the hotel, aren't we? It was all right. We, um, obviously it worked out fine. We're here now, but that poor taxi driver's car with me and that roads, I don't oh, think it would have lasted much longer than that, I'm afraid. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. Um <laughs> did they did they so um you talked you mentioned um Anakin slave quarters uh, where mm-hmm. Shmi lived. Um so that was actually based if I remember correctly, it was based on a a slightly more no, I don't want to say ancient uh culture, but there is a subsect of um the locals there that lived in these um, sunken, sunken sort of villages almost, and it was based on the of slave, that, right? not the slave quarters part. They're, they're I think they're SARS, I can't say K S A R A SARS, which are more grain silos. They're kept above ground and they're kept for storage. Okay. Some of them live in there. So those are the, the sort of dome shaped buildings that the um, the slave quarters of of shmi and young anakin were yeah. um and likewise another location in a, in a different uh, more southerly to um the stakeholders which are in medellin i believe is the pronunciation mm-hmm. a bit further south in um kasar hadada was the is the rear of the slave quarters um right. and so the filming of the pod scene 
Um, the pod race, the scene where Anakin's building the pod and he just gets his started going. The scene where Qui-Gon talks to Shmi about the Force and knowing that Anakin's got this something about him was filmed in the place called Kasar Hadada, which is, again, slightly south. Um, so, yeah, the, the magic of cinema is the yeah. two different locations about um, 20 kilometers away from each other. Right. The, um, the other the other place you're you're mentioning is yeah is is the famous Lars homestead the the, the underground the subterranean um, dwellings yeah. which are multiple actually in in the village I think the village of Matt Marta. Okay, so they base the homestead on that. Yeah, but it's not. It's not based. It's actually to have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Location scouts, I think um, Norman Reynolds, I believe Robert Watson, everything like that, looked yeah. around. Um, and yeah, they found these places and there's multiple ones out there, actually. Not realised, I thought it was just one hole in the ground mm. and the, the dome, the outer part is upstairs next door to it. Mm. Um, there are multiple tens, if not hundreds, of these below ground dwellings because they shield from the, the the heat of the sun during the day mm. because they're so low down. The sun doesn't get into the warmth is there, but they also keep warm in the winter. Yeah. So they're used they're used as homes and dwellings, and and the one that was used back then in in seventy six, and also for film in two thousand and um, one. Two, I believe, for Attack of the Clones was is the Hotel Sidi Idris, um, which has oh, got wait. multiple. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so the actual wait. So the actual dwellings that the that those local people would they? I'm just trying to remember what they look like. Well, they have a have a dome as well that looks like. No, no, they don't, no, right? It's just sunken no. completely. Yeah. Yep. Well, I didn't realise, and again, it's as magic as cinema, not until I actually go out there, mm. that the, the two locations, the as it were, the, the upstairs above ground, um, we'll call it Lars Igloo, where yeah. Luke enters, yeah. is on the, um, is, it, is out towards Nefta on the salt flats, yeah. which is, again, 20 30 off the top of my head i can't really exactly remember 20 30 kilometers away oh, from the actual underground sunken bit oh set. interesting yeah okay so no the, the, it's, it's not say flat in Mamata, hmm. but there's just the normal as it were houses dwellings etc into the hills but the, the the dome setting and just the trench was was cut out to resemble the underground mm. setting um, is 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 miles away, um, and so for the filming of a new hope, mm. the two separate elements and the um, the point of view up from Armbaru is in Matamata, um, but when Luke goes out and looks at the twin sunsets, as he were, and steps yeah, yeah. on the crater, he's 25, 30 kilometers away on the on the salt flats in near Nefta. Interesting, and 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 what they did for Attack of the Clones is yeah. is actually through the wizardry of computers. They um they pulled the two places together, so it seamlessly segued from one, as it were, location into right. the other location. Oh, is there a tracking shot in that where where the camera tracks down? And... Mm. Oh, right. Okay, I need to I need to revisit that. I don't remember that. That's really. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, that's cool. And, and, um, and well, I will say, just leading on from that again is, yeah. is um, I believe for the end. Uh, spoiler alert! Yeah. 
the end of the rise of skywalker um they try to replicate the the sunken underground as it were of, of matt Marta and the last homestead um but they recreated it on well the the, the upper level as it were the the top side was i believe done in um jordan yeah. and then the below ground bit was done on a stage at pinewood i believe Oh, oh, the outdoors, the, the the back the back lot at Pinewood. Right. Okay. That. Okay. So, I didn't know that. So that that's was my first foray. I've gone into that quite a lot. But that was my first foray into really the starting of the idea. Is I can get there. It's amazing standing here, being mm. part of the history, as it were, being near the part of the history which is Star mm. Wars, um, and having a, a holiday to boot, an experience of of the location, the cultures, the thing that stood out to me as well was not Star Wars, but the Berber dress, the the, the, the main, um, as it were, cloak of the, of of gentlemen in Tunisia and around a was a brown hooded robe, exactly oh, like Jedi's. Yeah, that's interesting. So it was just like, wow, actually, I can see where maybe the inspiration comes as well. Obviously, monk-like, but. There were there were a load of people with the robes. So the experience yeah. of the things that really have drawn me to try not only experiencing the Star Wars locations, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, but um having a lovely holiday and experiencing things maybe that I wouldn't do. So I'm I'm I try to share yeah. with other people who have an interest, who want to do similar, want to stand there, be there, take a photo of it, and um tell my stories of, of how I got there, what I saw, what yeah. you can maybe expect when you're there, yeah. um, but also share other people's information, other people's knowledge about when they've been there. And it's been fantastic, again, with social media, yeah. is having people from around the world message me yeah. and say, thank you, oh, that's really interesting, um, love that piece of information, or again, um, just recently with the Mandalorian is sharing some information with an American friend, as it were, um, Facebook friend, American Facebook, about the locations of filming for the Mandalorian. And we've both done a bit of research backwards and forwards. Um, yeah. And he, lucky enough, he lives near that location and he managed to get out there and do, do some photos and um, comparisons as well and shared them to the site so yeah, okay, yeah it's cool. a global community these these places are, are across america europe africa um and say into the north as well of, of yeah. norway which i haven't been to okay. um but yeah it's it's just a case of you can go there it's a fantastic location it's got history it's got a story mm. um and it's part of Star Wars. So if you want to yeah. stand there in the footsteps of R2, C3PO, Anakin, Luke, you can do it. And yeah. this is the site, hopefully, the site Star Wars places is is your maybe starting point of information. I've tried to put information, photographs, comparisons, yeah. um, and using today's tools, as it were, Google Maps um, and geosite locations is to pinpoint where they are so at home you can use your your google maps you can go into it find out where it is then maybe locate the nearest um bus stop airport 
travel lodge, whatever, yeah. that if you're that way inclined, yeah. um, then you can put a bit of money together if you need a passport or not. If you can travel, again, apologies yeah, yeah. to anyone, obviously, locked down, everything like that. Um, when the restrictions are lifted, the site is there for anyone and for people to look into and maybe get out, it? explore, enjoy. Um, respect respect the places though as well yeah, don't leave yeah. rubbish or anything like that yeah 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 exactly we, we, i think us brits have already got a bit of a bad reputation i think as holiday goers we don't need to add to that um no. liam so okay i wanted to ask you real quick uh about just going back to tunisia so mm-hmm. I, I vaguely recall that um the name tatooine actually comes from a real town in tunisia called tatooine um there's yep. a slightly different slightly different spelling i don't know the pronunciation can you give us some insight on that i believe it's very similar to be honest with you um the, yeah the spelling is different um again i think it's sans one of the o's of tatooine um um maybe not exactly pronounced the same but i do believe yes it was and the inspiration for lucas from writing that we know now that all the different drafts there was uh, planets called utapau was one and yeah. aquilaya salus and all of these other different yeah. locations or names for planets yeah. but i think after seeing that one they just like like lots of filmmakers do just change up some of the vowels maybe change up yeah. some of the consonants um, just to make it slightly different, um, and yeah, Tatooine is is I again believe, and you've got to put them on the spot again. Is, no, sorry, is towards dude. the south, towards the south of of Tunisia. Most of the filming was in the south of Tunisia, mm. um, or the southern part, mid part. So not much in the, not a lot in the north, okay. but pretty much on on the Isle of Gerba and sort of across on the salt flats. Um, shot El Garza again, but for any of the information again, I'm sure we'll sure talk about it a little bit. But, yeah. um, on the website, you, you go to filming locations, then the actual film itself episode one, episode two, episode three, whatever. Yeah. Um, I've hopefully tried to list it alphabetically, um, not as it appears in the film, but alphabetically from A to Z, etc. So if you were looking for, um, the the Mos Espa, for example, from episode one, The Phantom Menace, filming locations, episode one, Tatooine, click on there, and then the description is about the location of Mos Espa, which is on Shot El Garza, I believe is the pronunciation, right. um, north of Nefta, which was an actual film set, a fully realised 3D film set that was built and has been left in the desert since 96, 97, etc. Mm. when they actually filmed out there. Um, was left and bequeathed, I think, to the tourist board to look after of um, Tunisia. Um, and, but he's being ravaged by the sands of time, sadly. Oh, okay. and, so I was going to ask, have they looked after it, but obviously not? I think there's a custodian, I believe there was last time I heard and yeah. had some information. There was a custodian local too there would keep an eye on things. Um, but as for trying to stop the sand from coming in, mm. yeah, trying to yeah. stop the waves from <laughs> rolling in, it's just, yeah. it's, no yeah, it, it can't be done. So over a period of time, yeah, it would be like the, the famous film sets and maybe. Mm. Can I say has the yes ancient Egypt will be covered in, covered in sand and 
maybe maybe lost and forgotten depending oh well let's hope not um so just remind us of the web address again for star wars places yeah there's a few places you can actually locate where where i am or the location of the site is so first one probably is www.starwarsplaces.com okay. okay um i've also got a facebook page so search for me star wars places on facebook and I've just recently just posted a few little bits and bobs on Instagram as well. I'm a bit new to Instagram. Um, a lot of it is is say historic stuff, but it is yeah. collection or or it's um, places is the main fr thrust, obviously. Mm. People because of the autographs and people I've met over the years, yeah. um, and then some of my collection. Yeah. As we mentioned, I've got a bit of a collection, so I do like to share. Um, some pictures of what I've got. So it encompasses a lot of things like that. Um, I try to keep it as updated as I can. Yeah. But as we know, and as I've mentioned, um, lockdown, travel restrictions, yeah. and funds, to be honest with you, have meant that I've not managed personally to get to the places I want to. Um, but I rely on maybe others or official, official sites that are of the location. And I share that with people. Perfect. Um, Liam, I feel like um, I could continue talking to you all night, um, and I, you know, I did want to go back over the films, but I think p perhaps what we'll do is let's have another um, session later in the year where we'll just talk, like focus on the films, perhaps, um, maybe particularly the prequels, perhaps, because you know that that note and the stuff that we were talking about about how they've kind mm -hmm. of grown with us, our understanding, perhaps Im immediately we didn't quite get it, but then as time passes and our understanding grows, you know, you, you get a, um, you gain a better understanding of the films. Yep. Liam. I'll be up uh, for that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, we'll organize that. Liam, this okay. has been awesome. It's been so insightful. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it too. Thank you so yep. much for talking to me. That's no problem at all. It's my pleasure. And I hope everyone listens and likes it. And please, please, please go. I know, as they say, I don't like and subscribe. I'm going to start a YouTube um, with maybe some videos on it. But yeah. the equipment is is not, not playing ball with me at the moment for videos and video editing. So um, watch this space. There is a Star Wars Places YouTube channel, but not a lot there at the moment. But fingers mm. crossed, content and other things may appear soon. But again, yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I'll be more than happy if, if people wanted to hear me or my voice again in the future um, and hear my thoughts, my ramblings. I'll be more than happy. To. All the best. You Love too. to all. Bye.